Well, it is officially the dog days of summer. What that means is I'm sitting here in the Brown O'Haver Studios, and on the TV monitors in front of me are tennis and cornhole. That's the point that we're at on the sporting calendar. We're also without Mike Steely for the next week or so. I believe he gets back next Wednesday, if my memory serves me correctly. I am Parker Thune. I am joined in studio by one Connor Pasby. Connor, first off, excellent to have you along for the ride. I think this is the first time that we've been on air together, and I think I've now officially made the circuit in terms of pairings all across uh, the ref on-air staff because I've done several appearances on Toby and TJ's show. I've been on Plank's show. I've done this show with Josh Helmer and Drake Dygan. I've done the rush with both Tyler and Teddy, and obviously I'm on with Steely just about every day. I think you're the last one that I haven't yet hosted with, so welcome to the show. Last one, yeah, it's been a it's been a roller coaster. Everyone getting different guys on, but yes, this is our first time, Parker. Yes, indeed, this is uh this is the nature of the beast during the dog days of summer because not only are sports in terms of what you're actually watching on TV increasingly scarce, but you got people on vacations. Steely's in the Bahamas right now. I'm sure he's having a blast uh, laid up on a beach somewhere. But uh, I feel like this is where we have to start today, Connor. Uh, I have been blocked on Twitter by Kale Gundy. I was wondering how that happened and what went on. Here's how Parker. I think it happened. And I don't know this for a fact, but this is how I think it happened. So... Phil Pichotti, the three-star linebacker out of the state of Pennsylvania, committed to Oklahoma on the evening of July 4th. Now, last week, there had been an article written by some nameless, faceless internet drone on Longhorn's Wire, which is the Texas USA Today service. It's like USA Today's branch of exclusively Texas media. So... There was this article that came out about a week ago from this writer whose name escapes me. I looked them up on Twitter. They had like 100 followers. So I'm like, okay, clearly not anyone that should be taken seriously as a media personality. Um, this article is headlined, Oklahoma football recruiting is in a world of hurt. And I understand it to a certain extent. Because this is the time of year at which Texas is at its best at a football program. I think they're going on 12 consecutive off-season national titles. So you get your kicks in while you can. You get Arch Manning committed and I think six, seven other blue chips to follow within the next week, week and a half. And I understand. All of a sudden, it's a good time to be talking Texas football and a good time to be throwing those cheap shots while you can. Because Lord knows once the actual football season starts, it's going to be the same old, same old with the University of Texas. But I saw this article, and Longhorns Wire tweeted it right after the dude wrote it. Right, They put it out on Twitter, and I... I saw it at the time, and I retweeted it because I'm just like, Sooner fans are going to have fun with this one. I'm going to let them go to town. So I retweeted it to put it out there in front of the fans, and naturally it got lit up. So much so that Longhorns Wire ended up deleting the tweet like two hours later. But they left the article up, 
And so I'm like, oh man, this is this is going to be a blast. You know this is going to come back into play. Because at that point, I knew that if things lined up just so, Oklahoma was going to have three, four, maybe even five commitments coming over the course of the week to come. So it's like, you know what? I'm going to bookmark this. I'm going to file it away. So Phil Pachotti commits on the evening of July 4th. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Perfect opportunity. So I tweet out the link to the article and add no caption, no anything, which to, in hindsight probably should have probably added a little more context or any context. Just to clarify, because there were some people that didn't get the joke, but I feel like if they, you they follow thought you me were on taking Twitter, it, they thought you were taking it seriously. Sure, but I feel like if you follow me on Twitter, I feel like if you know me and know my sense of humor, it's pretty obvious that the post was in jest. So I would say ninety to ninety-five percent of people that interacted with the tweet loved it, thought it was hilarious, and kind of got where I was going. Apparently, Kale Gundy did not. <laughs> He took it the wrong way when you're just trying to throw some shade, but yeah, I guess Kale Gunny took it the wrong way. So I, I, I guess that's what it was. I that I thought about it because I got the notification and was like, oh shoot, Kale Gundy blocked me because I've never slandered Kale. There's really no reason to slander Kale. What can you slander Kale for? The man is a sooner through and through. So. I don't believe I've ever said anything remotely disparaging about Kale or about the kids he's recruiting. But as I thought about it, I was like, okay, knowing Kale and knowing his personality, my guess is he saw that article and didn't catch my drift, didn't realize that it was in jest. So as of right now, I am blocked by Kale Gundy on Twitter. So what it showed is pop up on your phone that just said Kale Gundy blocked you on Twitter or how well, that so, works. So I've, I've never been blocked on anyone on Twitter. So I, I can't remember what the notification was, but it wasn't like it wasn't like, oh you Coach Gundy blocked you. But it was something that brought up his name in the notification. And so I opened it and it pulled up Gundy's profile page and it's like you can't see Kale Gundy's tweets, you're blocked. So that went south. That really did go south. go south. That that this is, to my knowledge, the first time I have ever been blocked on Twitter by someone of stature. Obviously, I'm sure there is some Texas fan with 50 followers out there that has me blocked. I guarantee Kill Gundy is not the only person that has ever blocked me on Twitter, but it's the first time that I've ever come to the realization, oh, this person has me blocked on Twitter. So a heck of a heck of a Fourth of July weekend for you. Yeah, Parker. fireworks. By fireworks him. for sure. So, Kale, if you're listening. It was all in jest, no hard feelings. My apologies if Follow there was not back. enough context I provided. Jo- I was just joking around. Follow me back, please. <laughs> you don't even have to follow me back. Just like let me see your tweets because if I if if you tweet out hashtag OUDNA, which I imagine he has or will in the coming hours because it sounds like Jaquay's Petaway is poised to commit to Oklahoma later this evening. Um, I I gotta see that, Kale. Regardless, that's uh, that's probably the biggest news of my 4th of July weekend. Connor, what would you do for the 4th? I actually went back to my hometown of Enid. For Enid. some fireworks, hang around with the family. It was a good, long weekend. We got an extra, all of us got an extra day off for the Tuesday, which was 
really nice. That it was. So nice, relaxing weekend. What about you, Parker? Well, see, my old college roommate had his bachelor party over this weekend. So I was up in Kansas City. Friday, well, I guess not Friday. We drove up Saturday morning, kind of rendezvoused up in Edmond on Friday night. Uh, got together Saturday morning to make the drive up, and we were there until Monday. So that took up the vast majority of my July 4th weekend. It was weird to have a Tuesday off. Because, it was, yeah, because yeah. everyone that I knew went back to work on Tuesday, so I kind of felt left out. I didn't really have anything to do on a Tuesday. So I just drove back up Tuesday night. Now, listen, it was awesome. Don't get me wrong. If the bosses are listening, we want to dole out any more free Tuesdays, I'm just fine with that. But it, it was, admittedly, a little bit weird to have a Tuesday off because, you know, you're, you're kind of accustomed to three-day weekends. Not that they hap- happen often, but when they do happen, you know, you have enough of a frame of reference for it that it doesn't, like, take you by surprise when you wake up on Monday. You're like, oh, I have nowhere to be today. When I woke up on Tuesday, I was like, all right, let's go. Going to go get ready for the show. And then I'm halfway into getting ready, and I realized, oh, wait, I got today off too. What am I supposed to do today? I That's know. That's the first thing that pops up to my knowledge. I have nothing to do. I'm bored. So I just drove back up and just enjoyed yeah. the rest of the night. Yeah. Well, when you cover OU football recruiting full-time, there's always something happening. So I stayed busy yesterday regardless. But uh, – Yes, it was admittedly quite a little strange to wake up on a Tuesday and have nowhere to be all day. But you had a nice bachelor party slash 4th of July weekend I did. for you. I did. It was fantastic. That's interesting. I've never seen anyone have a bachelor party during I know. The it was of one of those things where he only has, I think, five total groomsmen. So it's a pretty small wedding party, all things considered. And we all know each other very well. And so we were kind of just like, okay, let's look at the calendar. Let's pick out the most likely weekend that we could all make work. And it just happened to be the weekend of July 4th. So (laughs) Air Comfort Solutions text line is already popping off. Kendall says, Parker, you sure swung and missed on Cole Adams. Once again, another elite talent leaves the state. Did Did I swing and miss on Cole Adams? How long ago did he commit? That was last week, sometime. Early, yeah, it was early, pretty early last week. I think we were still doing shows at that point. So we've had the chance to kind of do the post-mortem on the Cole Adams commitment. But look, that that wasn't completely unforeseen. Was there a time where Oklahoma was making a surge for Cole Adams? Absolutely. But Alabama got on him way sooner. His offer was committable. That staff made him a priority. At the end of the day, you can't fault Cole Adams for wanting to go out of state to play for Alabama because this is the statistic I love to cite because it's oh so impressive. No football player that's ever played a full four-year career under Nick Saban hasn't won at least one national championship. So you go to Tuscaloosa, you're taking home hardware at some point. So uh, that is the move for Cole Adams. Micah Tease obviously committed to Arkansas over the week. I believe that was also on July 4th, if I'm not mistaken. And we were kind of were we expecting that for yeah, quite a while. Yeah, and that was one of those deals where he and the coaching staff are kind of at odds about position. And so, especially with Luke and Dylan Has, his buddies from Bixby already committed to Arkansas, it makes sense that that's the destination for Micah Tease. Then he got by Job committing tomorrow. That's another out-of-state guy that's probably not going to be sticking around. Looks like Michigan State uh, for right now 
final three is Michigan State, Alabama, and Oklahoma. And it looks like the Spartans got the juice there. So, yeah, it's a, it's a weird year across OK Preps, and we're going to dive into it more as we get rolling here today on Steel Man and Thune at noon, as well as Locked In with myself and Tyler McComas from 2 to 3. A lot of recruiting talk today. Again, Kale Gundy, if you're listening, my apologies. Should have added more context. We're just getting started here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Steel Man and Thune at noon. No Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Connor Pasby rolling with you until 2 p.m. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Look at you, Connor, bumping me back with some Tom Petty. Nothing better, Parker. Oh, you know my love language, man. You know, American Girl was recorded on America's Bicentennial, July 4th, 1976. That's your fun Tom Petty fact of the day. Uh, I, of course, am perhaps the most notorious Tom Petty fan in this entire office. So, uh, if you, if you, hey, you know what? I could probably provide you a Tom Petty fact for every single day of the year. That's how uh, well-versed in all things petty I am. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. Steel Man and Thune at Noon. No Mike Steely. Parker Thune. Connor Pasby here with you. The Air Comfort Solutions text line is available to you. 405-651-3439. Or give us a call on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. 405-329-9000. I think we may take a call or two today. That may be fun to do later in the show. But uh, for right now, let's hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line. A lot of folks asking about Jaquay's pet away, and understandably so, because this is a kid that is a national top 50 prospect, number 47 overall player in the nation per the 24-7 sports composite, one of the fastest players in the entire 2023 recruiting cycle. And he's going to be making a decision today between Oklahoma and Texas. Now... One listener asks, if OU gets pet away, how concerning will it be if Texas full court presses him with NIL? Also, one listener says Tom Petty is overrated. Please block that caller for me. Get that out of the um, way. Man. Yeah, get that, get that slander, get that negativity out of my life. I don't need that as part of my Wednesday. So if OU gets pet away, uh, on a serious note, if OU gets pet away, how concerning will it be if Texas full court presses him with NIL? Uh, that is the question from one of our listeners on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, here's the way I look at it. Texas has been recruiting Jaquay's pet away for quite some time. It's not as if they've just emerged onto the scene in this recruiting battle. And there was a thought especially after Arch Manning committed that, oh boy, maybe this puts Texas in the driver's seat for Jaquay's pet away. It didn't. It hasn't. And I think when Jaquay's pet away makes his announcement later today, I fully expect that that will go in Oklahoma's favor. If and when it does, I think that commitment is as good as gold. He has an outstanding relationship with Jackson Arnold. He's visited Oklahoma three times this calendar year, including the OV on June 3rd for the Champion Barbecue. So I don't anticipate that that recruitment's going to get hairy down the stretch. I think this is the end of the line for Petaway. He's a quiet kid, not a huge fan of the recruiting process. And so when you get a kid like this ready to make his decision, we talked about kind of the same phenomenon with Arch Manning. I'd say what you will about Arch Manning, but he as an individual very much keeps to himself. And he is not about the limelight. So 
When he committed to Texas, everybody was wondering, oh, does that stick? Does that stick? Does that stick? Yes, it's going to stick. And I think it'll stick for Jaquay's Petaway at Oklahoma as well, assuming that is the decision later today. Again, OU and Texas, the two finalists. Um, I I think this is big for Oklahoma, not just because Jaquay's Petaway is an elite talent, which he is, dynamic, explosive very fast in terms of just straight line speed. He's a guy that's going to factor into the uh, equation immediately at the collegiate level as a returner. I made the Mario Williams comparison last week when discussing Petaway, and it seems that a lot of folks have kind of picked up on that and are saying, okay, yeah, this is pro- this probably a guy that's going to have an impact similar to the impact that Mario Williams had. Now, Williams didn't get utilized a whole heck of a lot in the return game, because Muleshoe was head coach at that point, and Muleshoe was not about the return game. But I think once Petaway's on campus, he's going to get used in a situational role in the offense, and he's going to get a lot of run in the return game. So if Oklahoma does lock down Petaway, this is a statement not just for the player he is, this is kind of what I'm getting at here, but also because it's a very, very consequential and very prominent head-to-head victory over Texas on the recruiting trail. This should help silence the Crimson Chicken Littles a little bit, Connor. Yeah, this is we've seen a lot, a lot of recruits where it comes down to OU Texas, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Texas tries to pitch in some NIL money, but I think this goes OU's favor. He's a Houston, Texas guy, but I think OU feels pretty good with him and I think he'll recruit to OU either today or tomorrow that we're seeing. Exactly. So uh, the decision purportedly coming later today, uh, Petaway hasn't put an exact date out, but in speaking with people around him, the expectation is that it's coming later today. Uh, So you'll have a decision from Jaquais Petaway, who would be Oklahoma's second highest ranked commit in this class, behind only, of course, five-star quarterback Jackson Arnold. Now, I don't know if we've really had a chance to do a complete uh, dive into Jackson Arnold's performance at the Elite 11. That's another thing uh, that's hugely consequential in the recruiting game because, A, it's going to result in a bump up the rankings for Jackson Arnold. We know that much. It's It doesn't take a road Scholar to figure that out. You go win the Elite 11, pitted against multiple five-star quarterbacks and multiple high-end four-star guys at that competition – you're going to get a bump. Jackson Arnold will get a bump. And there is a chance in listening to the opinions of some of our 24-7 sports uh, recruiting analysts that help make up the rankings council, there's a chance Jackson Arnold makes a push for the number one overall spot in the 2023 cycle. And he's going to help pitch in with recruiting like we've seen with Archie Manning on Instagram trying to get guys to come to Texas. So we'll probably see something similar with Jackson Arnold trying to get guys to come to OU. Yes, and that's an, I, and that's also kind of what I'm getting at with this whole conversation here, too, is that in talking with Samuel Masigo when he committed last Thursday in particular, one of the things he mentioned to me was that, look, having a quarterback at the Elite 11 committed to Oklahoma is outstanding for this program on multiple fronts. One being it kind of dispels the notion that Oklahoma can only recruit elite quarterbacks with Muleshoe, right? because there was the thought, okay, well, now Lincoln Riley's out the door. What's Oklahoma going to do at the quarterback position? They've had five stars on five stars on five stars. Now he's out at USC. 
How's Oklahoma going to respond and how are they going to be able to recruit these five-star signal callers the way that they did when Riley was the head coach and quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator and all things under the sun? Well, a lot of people haven't given Jeff Levy his due. And hopefully now that starts to happen because there is a very good chance Jackson Arnold ends up a top 10 or even top five overall prospect in this cycle when all is said and done. Moreover, his performance at the Elite 11 is hugely significant because dudes are going to look at that. His peers are going to look at that and say, oh boy, that kid's special. Maybe we ought to go play with him because if we go to Oklahoma and we know he's playing quarterback for us in two to three years, there's a very good chance Oklahoma's in contention for a national championship. Now, I'm very much still of the opinion that defense wins championships. But in today's day and age, you got to have a quarterback. You don't necessarily have to have an elite quarterback. Stetson Bennett is by no means an elite signal caller. But for Georgia last year, what he was was stable, consistent, effective. He was all that he needed to be for that Georgia program, which had one of the greatest defenses that college football has seen over the last couple decades. But that's not always the formula. Right? You're not always going to have a defense that is littered with NFL guys all the way across, sometimes too deep at a single position. You're not always going to be count going to be able to count on that type of defensive talent. So if you got somebody like Joe Burrow was for LSU in 2019, that only heightens your odds to take home a title. Right. So I think if the Oklahoma defense is all it's cracked up to be under Brent Venables two, three years down the road, and you got Jackson Arnold behind center, and you got some elite skill position talent that has followed Arnold to the University of Oklahoma, yeah, you're going to have a very viable opportunity to, to compete for a national championship. Uh, back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line here. Uh, Jay in Tulsa says, a fun Tom Petty fact he signed his first record contract at the church studio here in Tulsa. I did not realize that. So we can call him wow, one, okay. one of our own. We can call him one of our own. Okay, Jay in Tulsa. Look at that. You have you have scooped me in terms of the uh, fun Tom Petty p- facts. Is there any update on PJ Atabare's timeline, says another listener. Uh, no, there is not. I need to circle back around with PJ later today, but... Uh, the expectation is it's it's going to be sometime this month, and it could be very soon. I've heard as soon as this week. So uh, I will have a better idea of when exactly that's going down when we hit the airwaves tomorrow, and I'll certainly give you all an update in that regard. But uh, P.J. Adabari, very, very heavy Oklahoma lean and could be another top 100 overall addition for Oklahoma in the coming days. Any word on by Joe, baby switching to OU instead of Michigan State? And by the way, Tom Petty rocks, says one listener from the 405. Yes, Tom Petty does rock. No, I do not expect by Job to flip his commitment from Michigan State to Oklahoma if Michigan State is indeed the choice tomorrow when he makes his announcement. Uh, I expect that it will be. Another listener asks, I've now heard three different ways to pronounce Phil's last name. Who is correct? So I, I'll acknowledge this. I had been saying it wrong for months. Everybody had been saying it wrong for months. But after Phil committed, I actually touched base with his mom because I was like, okay, I need somebody who can give me some authoritative intel on how we pronounce this name. So 
I exchanged messages with his mom, and she was like, it's got that Italian C sound, picciotti. That's how you say it. It's picciotti. Now, I'd been saying picciotti. A lot of people had been, been saying the same picciotti. Thing. Same thing. We got to take the L on that one. It is picciotti. That is how you pronounce his name. So, uh, per his mother, Kim, that is the official uh, pronunciation. That is the official dictionary pronunciation of the Pachati surname. Got a ni- nice little ring to it. Pachati. That it, it, Pachati. it sounds very much. He sounds like a Pennsylvania kid. It's a very Pennsylvania name. Phil Pachati. All right, we're going to continue talking OU football and recruiting. We're going to talk realignment because obviously that is a very popular topic of conversation in the last few days. We'll keep it rolling. Continue to hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Going to be right back. Steelman and Thune at noon across the Ref Sports Radio Network. Oh, we got some breaking news, baby. It's Baker Mayfield's a Carolina Panther. Hello. First off, okay, let's just discuss this. Uh, Let's just get to the terms of the deal before we discuss anything else. Baker Mayfield is going to the Carolina Panthers in exchange for a conditional fifth-round draft pick in 2024. So the Browns got virtually zero return on this whole ordeal. However, uh, the parties did split the financials to make it happen. Apparently, here's how it's going down from a financial perspective. Uh, This is per Mike Garofalo on Twitter. The Browns will pay Baker Mayfield $10.5 million this season, which means they trimmed over $8 million in cash and salary cap space. The Panthers will pay Mayfield about $5 million. Mayfield agreed to trim about $3.5 million off his base salary. So everybody had to kind of come together and make this work. But what is it now, four months since Baker Mayfield first requested a trade? Three, four months, something like that. Baker Mayfield has a new home. The Carolina Panthers. Now... What I think is hilarious, a hilarious subplot in all of this, is that Ian Rappaport just posterized Josina Anderson because they'd been engaged in source wars over the last few days. Josina Anderson was pounding the table saying that the Seahawks were making a hard push for Baker Mayfield, and Rapp was like, no, they don't have really any interest in Baker Mayfield. And Josina went on this Twitter tangent last night about how obviously nobody is acknowledging to anyone else that the Seahawks are interested in Baker Mayfield because they're hedging their bets. Well, now, what, 18 hours later, Mayfield to Carolina Panther and Rap wins the Source Wars. That's why you don't cross Ian Rappaport. There are just some people in the business you don't cross. Ian Rappaport is one of those guys. Your sources are not better than Ian Rappaport. So you can throw that Baker playing for the Cleveland Browns for next year out of the way now. So who is the quarterback? It's Jacoby Brissett, Brissett. man. It's Jacoby Brissett. For the life of me, I don't know how he pulls it off. But Jacoby Brissett, every single year, ends up starting for somebody. When he's not even expected. No, he's not. Like, he'll, he'll go sign somewhere to be a backup. He'll go sign, who was it most recently? It was Miami. He ended up starting for Miami because Tua got hurt. Jacoby Brissett, I swear, is the luckiest quarterback on the face of the earth because he never signs anywhere with the expectation of being the starter. And somehow, every single year, 
He ends up being the store and ends up being the start. The genesis of his career, if I'm not mistaken, Connor, was starting in place of Tom. It was Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady was suspended. Tom Brady right? at first. Yep. Was it the suspension? I'm trying to think. Oh no. Okay. So here's what it was. Yes, it was Tom Brady's suspension, and Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. So Jacoby Brissett was the Patriots' third-string quarterback when he entered the league, and he was starting by, like, his third game. Then he went to Indianapolis. Andrew Luck dropped a bomb on everybody by retiring at, what, like, age 29? And Brissett ends up the starter there. He goes to Miami to back up Tua. Tua gets hurt. And all of a sudden, Jacoby's the starter in Miami. And now he goes to Cleveland, ostensibly to be the third stringer. And he's now in line to start because Lord knows Deshaun Watson is not going to be touching an NFL football field anytime soon. It's so weird, but Seth actually does fine when he's not expected to play. Like, he comes in and just does his job. He's not, he's not a bad quarterback. He just gets the job done. No, he's a fine quarterback. He's a fine quarterback. And sometimes that's all you need in the NFL. A guy that's not going to make mistakes. A guy that's not going to force the issue. The reason Jacoby Brissett still has a job in the NFL is because he's been that type of guy. He is nobody's A1 option at the quarterback position, but he's a heck of a lot better than a lot of other options at the quarterback position. Now, for Baker, do you think he's the day one starter in Carolina? Because I do. I, I think he I is. Have, it makes sense. I have never, never been sold on Sam Darnold. But, man, um, what do we have? The Robbie Anderson, the receiver oh, for the yeah, Carolina. So I wonder how that's going to all work out because he commented saying, no, that he does not want Baker to Carolina. Well, now he has it. I think Sam Darnold, I don't know how hot of a take this is. I don't just think Sam Darnold's a mediocre quarterback. I think he's an atrocious quarterback. For the life of me, I could not understand how he was so highly regarded. Were he and Baker in the same draft class? Yes, he was, and that's what when where we had Colin Coward kept debating. You know who's the better quarterback, him or or Baker? That's or Sam right. Darnold. That's they were. Yeah, they were in the same draft class because Baker went number one overall, and then Darnold, I want to say, went number three overall to the Jets, if my memory serves me correctly. So, boom! All of a sudden, we get to find out what the definitive answer is. Colin Cowherd gets the cage match he's been waiting for: Baker Mayfield versus Sam Darnold in an NFL training camp for a starting job. My money's on Baker all the way with that one. And I here's the thing. I said from the get-go, and I'll continue to affirm this, I do think Seattle was the best fit for Baker in terms of being able to win right away. Because you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett up there. Those are better weapons than Baker Mayfield has ever had in the NFL. And say what you will about Odell Beckham Jr., Odell Beckham Jr. was only half there physically, and he was only half there mentally when he was in Cleveland. You put Baker on the same team as DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, that's a team that's going to win some games. That's some good weapons for Baker. That's that's a playoff team in my mind. Now, that's not to say that Carolina isn't a playoff team. And I do like a lot of the weapons that Carolina has. Christian McCaffrey is, oh gosh, when he is fully healthy, he's one of the most dynamic players in the game. But I do think the fit leaves something to be desired in Carolina. 
Because if Robbie Anderson ends up getting moved, okay, fine. We'll see what the return on investment is there. But if Robbie Anderson stays, he's your number one option at wide receiver. They still got DJ Moore on the roster. So, I mean, you, you've got decent receiving weapons, but you don't have a guy that you know you can throw the ball to any down, any situation, and he's going to go make you a catch, make you a play. They may they may have to make a trade for another receiver for Baker, but I mean I don't see Carolina really being mediocre with Baker. I think he'll do just fine, and it may take a little while to get Carolina up, but I mean he has some weapons to work with. Well, this is this is a one year rental. I mean let's call it like it is. This is a one year rental for Carolina. This is Carolina saying, you know what? We have struggled to find stability at the quarterback position ever since Cam Newton's career started to take a turn for the worse. To the point where they actually brought Cam Newton back midseason last year to be their starter. That's how desperate Carolina was for a quarterback. They brought they signed Cam Newton off the street to be their quarterback. Now, I think what Carolina's doing here is they're going to play show me with Baker. They're going to say, hey, go out there, start for a year if you can beat out Sam Darnold. You know, if you can't beat out Sam Darnold, which I think is highly unlikely, then we made a moderate investment for a capable backup quarterback, and if Darnold doesn't pan out, he's going to get an opportunity in 2022. Baker's going to see the field in one capacity or another because I do not trust Sam Darnold to hold down a starting gig for 16 games. Do, even do, if we, by do, we, call that, do we call that a QB battle with Baker Mayfield? And I don't think Sam so. Moore? I don't, I don't, I don't think, think it is so. a battle. I think Baker is very obviously your starter. But on the off chance – on the slight chance that Sam Darnold somehow wins that battle, there's no way he's hanging on to that gig for, I, I'm sorry, 17 games now. I forgot they extended the season. That's still so weird to me. But regardless, Baker's going to see the field for the Carolina Panthers at some point. And the Panthers' perspective here has to be, if this pans out, great. We can sign you to a moderately pricey deal, three, four years in length, to be our, not necessarily our long-term starter, but to be our answer in the immediate future at the position. If it doesn't work out, both parties go their merry way, Baker hits free agency, and he has the chance to go compete somewhere for a job, much the way Ryan Tannehill did a few years back. I've always figured that if things don't pan out for Baker wherever he would land in 2022, he'd probably have to take the Ryan Tannehill path, where... Maybe he doesn't sign somewhere with the intention or expectation of being the starter, but we know he is more than competitive enough, more than talented enough, uh, more than versatile enough to go somewhere and compete and beat somebody out for a job. It's going to be an interesting QB room because both those guys, like you said, two guys in the same draft class, and there was so much talk about who should actually go number one, Baker Mayfield or Sam Donald? So yeah, again, <laughs> you get your answer. Guess what, Colin Cowherd? We're gonna we're gonna learn. We're gonna see. All right, we're gonna keep talking about this. We're gonna circle back around to recruiting. We'll wrap up our number one and preview our number two coming up next here on Steel Man and Thune at noon. Baker Mayfield is a Carolina Panther. For those of you just joining, Mayfield is headed to Charlotte ostensibly to compete with Sam Darnold for the starting quarterback gig in 2022. Plenty more to come. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. Oh, it's quite a week across the sporting landscape. Connor Pasby, who would have imagined that here in July there would be as much news 
over the last week, over the last few days, really, as we have had. USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten, which has set the table for a whirlwind of realignment news over the weeks to come. Baker Mayfield is a Carolina Panther. Kale Gundy blocked me on Twitter. There's stuff happening. We got it all. Uh, Much needed during the sports dead time period. Man, wild stuff. So, for those just joining, Baker Mayfield has been traded to the Carolina Panthers, which was not the most surprising thing, Connor, but it still kind of felt like Baker to Carolina was for some reason unlikely. I think the Panthers did a good job of playing their hand close to the vest here. They did. I I was thinking Seattle, but it was either Seattle or Carolina. But, yeah, like you said, Carolina did more of the part. and There was a lot more buzz about Baker in Seattle than there ever was about Baker in Carolina. Now, you look at what the Browns got in return for Baker Mayfield. It's a single draft pick. It's conditional. It's two years down the road, and it's a fifth rounder. They got basically nothing for Baker Mayfield. Which at the end of the day, like, the Browns have put on a clinic, and I don't mean to beat a dead horse here, but the Browns have put on a clinic over the last three months and how not to manage your quarterback room. The Browns, they handed, threw, the Browns threw the whole kitchen sink and pretty much got nothing for this upcoming season. They handed a quarter of a billion dollars to a potential sexual predator Potential, alleged, potential, alleged, hypothetical, well, not hypothetical. The point is, Deshaun Watson has some issues. Regardless of whether the allegations are true or not, it's pretty clear the guy's got some issues, if for no other reason than the fact that he used 60-plus different massage therapists over the course of a year and a half. So the Browns hand him a quarter of a billion dollars, not before pissing off Baker to the point where he requests a trade and making it quite clear that he was never going to be part of their long-term plan. And there was the infamous quote that I believe was put out by Tom Pelissero uh, from a source within the Cleveland Browns organization where they infamously said, we're looking for an adult to play the quarterback position. So, the Browns shoot Baker Mayfield's trade value. Not to say that Baker Mayfield was going to command a truckload on the trade market anyway, but realistically, a number one overall pick who's one season removed from taking his team to their first playoff win since re-inception and has three years of starting experience, well, actually three and a half on his resume, you would think a guy like that would, when you would offer him up, you'd get more than a conditional fifth round pick in 2024, but that's how badly the Browns tanked his trade value. So they get virtually nothing in return for Baker Mayfield, and they pay $248 million guaranteed dollars to a guy who, I, I know this seems extreme, to a guy who may not ever see an NFL football field again. Like that's not out of the realm of possibility at this point in time. It's wild that those words are coming out of my mouth. But there's a decent chance Deshaun Watson is done playing professional football. Maybe this all gets resolved. Maybe he gets suspended for a year or two. 
and maybe he sees the field for the Browns at some point after all. But right now, man, I'm going to believe it when I see it because this isn't going away for Deshaun Watson. It's not. So at least a year or maybe two years. But, Parker, we forgot to mention that Browns-Panthers is week one, by the way. No That's way. That's going to be very oh, interesting. Oh, no way. Week Holy one. crap, really? Week one. Browns-Panthers is week one? That's going to be a fun opening weekend for the NFL. Oh, my goodness. That is going to be must-see TV. That better be Sunday night football, bro. If it's not, move it to Sunday night football, please. Holy crap. That just makes this even juicier. Oh, wow. Yeah, we got some textures telling us for sure. And the, yeah, and the Air Comfort Solutions text line is blowing up. One listener asks, what happened with you and Gunny? We'll, we'll rehash that at the top of next hour. Um, lots of folks asking about Troy Bowles as well, the four-star linebacker. Son of Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Todd Bowles, uh, who just put OU in his top three alongside Georgia and Ohio State. Um, just to kind of tie a bow on that before we hit uh, hard break at the top of the hour. I think OU's a hat on the table for Troy Bowles and not much more than that, at least at this point in time. But I do think OU will continue to pursue him, even if he commits elsewhere on July 16th. All right, we're just getting started on the Ref Sports Radio Network. What a day. What a day in God's country, the state of Oklahoma. We'll be back. Steel Man and Thune at noon. Hour two of Steel Man and Thune at noon across the Ref Sports Radio Network. Parker Thune, Connor Pasby. We are down Mike Steely for the time being. Uh, he is enjoying a uh, holiday vacation in the Bahamas. I've never been to the Bahamas, so I'm looking forward to getting the full debrief from Steely when he returns next week. In the meantime, we have a lot to discuss across the world of sports, a lot that is pertinent to those of you listening who are Sooner fans, which I understand makes up the vast majority of our listenership, but not the entirety of our listenership. We get Pokes fans. We get we, we even have a few Texas fans that will send in texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text lines. Connor, regardless, uh, wherever your fandom lies, wherever you're joining us from today, thanks so much for listening. Hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, with any of your thoughts or opinions, or give us a call on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line so it is july 6th and in general july is a pretty lifeless month on the sporting calendar about the only thing that's happening in the month of july is major league baseball i was joking earlier about the fact that i'm sitting in here in the studio and what i have in front of me on the two television monitors are professional cornhole and tennis Nothing against professional cornhole and tennis, but they aren't exactly big-ticket events. However, we've had a lot go down over the course of the last week, starting with the bombshell news that USC and UCLA were going to be joining, of all conferences, the Big Ten, which makes them the two biggest geographical conference outliers in the entirety of American collegiate sports. It's just weird weird stuff but now of course we're waiting on the other shoe to drop and we're waiting it, it kind of feels like right now the Pac-12 the ACC and the Big 12 are that 
gif from the office where it's Michael, Dwight, and Andy all pointing the finger guns at one another. Who's who's going to shoot first? Who's going to make the next move? Exactly. <laughs> so that's, it really feels like that's where we're at with the other three conferences amongst the Power Five because, look, we're heading towards a world in which the Big Ten and the SEC are the super conferences in college football. But that is probably, all things considered, the biggest news of the week in terms of the landscape of college football as a whole. But if you're a Sooner fan, obviously you just got a commitment from three-star linebacker Phil Pichotti on the evening of July 4th. May have another commitment coming this afternoon slash evening from high four-star wide receiver Jaquez Petaway out of Langham Creek in Houston, a guy that has an outside shot to be a five-star in the 2023 class when all is said and done. Baker Mayfield is a Carolina Panther as of about 15 minutes ago. Per reports by Ian Rappaport and others, the Browns sending Mayfield to Carolina in exchange for a conditional fifth-round draft pick in 2024. And, of course, I have now been blocked on Twitter by Kale Gundy. That is your daily news rundown here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. All the sports news of which you need to be mindful. And so let's continue digging in here and let's start with the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Is Petaway announcing today? Yes, the expectation is that Jaquez Petaway is going to have an announcement made uh, sometime this afternoon slash evening. Another listener says, I can't wait to find out what happened with you and Gundy. Yes, I discussed this in detail at the top of the first hour. I'll give you the Sparknotes version here. Uh, I tweeted a Longhorns Wire article completely in jest about how Oklahoma football recruiting is, quote-unquote, in a world of hurt. And I tweeted it after Phil Pichotti committed to Oklahoma. Well, apparently, and I don't know for a fact that this is what happened. I'm guessing the joke just flew over Kale Gundy's head, and he thought I was taking a shot at OU recruiting. So, come to find out, I am now blocked on Twitter by Kale Gundy. So, hopefully that changes Hopefully it changes quickly in the not-too-distant future. But for the moment, I am on Kill Gundy's blacklist. D- Doug and Norman asks, does this mean we'll be forced to listen to Carolina Panthers games on your radio station? That's a good point. What's going to happen with uh, the Cleveland Browns because we get that on the radio? Do we just turn that to I d- Carolina? I don't know, man. That's a great question. Of course, the reason that Browns games became – part of the Sunday experience in the state of Oklahoma was solely because of Baker. That's the reason Oklahoma be- became part of Cleveland's TV and radio market. Well, now, ch- have- Channel 9, too. Remember Channel 9? They get all the Cleveland Browns games. So <laughs> do yeah. we, just, do we yeah. just see all the Carolina Panthers now? It's a phenomenal question, and I don't know the answer. I don't know how this affects the NFL coverage here locally on Sundays throughout the fall. What I do know is all those bandwagon Browns fans are currently flooding the NFL shop to buy their Panthers apparel and memorabilia because Lord knows Baker's got a fan base of his own that's going to go with him wherever he goes. What makes this all the more interesting, as so many of you have pointed out on social media and on the Air Comfort Solutions sex line, is that Cleveland and Carolina play each other week one. So Baker Mayfield's first NFL game, not in a Browns uniform, will come against the Cleveland Browns. Juicy, juicy stuff. 
set up perfectly. It's in Carolina, though, right? Okay, so the Browns got to go there. I think it's in Carolina. Hostile environment. Browns got to go to Baker's turf now. Back to the Air Comfort Solutions sex line here as we get reoriented. Is there any news on Jalen Hale? Asks one listener. Jalen Hale, of course, the phenomenal four-star wide receiver out of Longview, Texas. I'll be honest. There's not a wide receiver in the entire 2023 class that I like better than Jalen Hale. He's wide receiver one to me. Uh, it looks as of late like Texas has started to make a little bit, make a little bit of a run at Jalen Hale, which worries me, Connor. Because here's the thing: Texas can sign a ridiculous recruiting class every single year, and Lord knows, for the most part you're going to end up getting the same result, which is at most eight to nine wins and a colossal amount of disappointment for Longhorn fans across the state, across the country, across the globe. So it really doesn't matter to me that Arch Manning is going to be a Texas Longhorn. It doesn't matter to me that Jonte Cook is going to be a Longhorn. It doesn't matter to me that B. John Robinson is a Longhorn or that Cedric Baxter is probably going to follow suit here in the next month or so with a commitment to Texas as well. I don't really care what kind of talent Texas is able to recruit because I'm very much of the opinion that the guys are going to flop for the most part once they get to the 40 acres because Texas just doesn't develop. However, it's going to be hard for me to watch Jalen Hale play college football in a Texas Longhorn uniform if that's the case because that is a guy that's going to be a stud wherever he goes. You cannot underdevelop or simply not develop a kid like that. He is a phenom. Now, I know USC is high on his list. I know Ohio State is high on his list. I know Georgia is high on his list as well. Alabama's in the mix, too. It's not like he is signed, sealed, and delivered to the University of Texas. But there is, if, if, if there is one player in this 2023 class that I am pleading with the Lord not to allow to commit to the University of Texas, it's Jalen Hale. Because... Make no mistake, Oklahoma fans, if Jalen Hale ends up a Longhorn, that's a guy that's going to give OUDBs some problems in the Cotton Bowl for the next three or four years. You think about what Xavier Worthy did this past year against Burnt Toast himself, Latrell McCutcheon, it's going to be more of the same. So it looks like Jalen Hale was just waiting on what Archie Manning was going to do. Because we, we see Georgia I... at the top, so now he commits to Texas, so maybe it swings back around to Texas for Jalen Hill. I guess. It's hard to say, and I do know that Jalen Hale does not come from a family of means, and so I imagine that NIL is going to play a pretty significant part in the decision. Texas is throwing around a lot of money right now. I know that for a fact. They're not the only program doing it, and obviously you look at uh, a school like Georgia, there's always going to be money there. There's plenty of money out at USC. There's plenty of money a lot of places right now. You don't have to be choosy if you want money. You just have to know where to look, and you have to know which schools have been proactive in playing the NIL game. So I don't know where Jalen Hale ends up right now. There was a time where it looked for all the world like he would be a Sooner. There was a time when it looked like he, Malachi Nelson, Mikhail Lemon, DeAndre Moore, and Ashton Cozart were going to be the most dynamic passing attack that the collegiate game had ever seen at the University of Oklahoma. Of course, then Muleshoe left for USC. One thing leads to another, and it all blows up. But there's a time when it looked as though Jalen Hale 
was going to be a Sooner. Then another guy we're waiting on is a four-star offensive tackle, Caden Green, from Lee's Summit, Missouri. Do we know anything yet? Oh, we know plenty. Yeah. No plenty. I, uh, yeah, he is deciding on July 8th. That We know that much. And I will be up there on Friday for Caden Green's decision. So, uh, not really going to go into too much detail there, but look, if you know me, you know, I, I'm not showing up to a kid's announcement unless there is a very good chance he is pledging OU. So I've, I've had a crystal ball in for Caden Green to Oklahoma since last May. He was actually it was the first crystal ball I put in for the entire 2023 cycle was for Caden Green to Oklahoma. Always had a feeling about that kid. Still got that feeling. I think he's going to be a Sooner on Friday. And you look ahead to next Thursday, Dalen Smothers, four-star linebacker out of North Carolina, Durham, North Carolina, if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, anyway, a North Carolinian, as they say, who will be choosing between Oklahoma, Alabama, North Carolina State, and Florida State next Thursday. So that could be that could be another one. Could be another one that Oklahoma lands in the 2023 class. A uh, question on the text line about David Stone. When can we expect an announcement from him? I don't know. I know Oklahoma is the leader, and it's not particularly close. I expect David Stone to be a Sooner, and there is a chance he becomes the first pledge of the 2024 class for OU. We will see about it. Keep firing away on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Parker Thune, Connor Pasby here with you on Steel Man and Thune at noon, taking you up until 2 p.m., Local time here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. I have an idea. I don't know if it's a good idea. But I have an idea as it pertains to realignment. I'm going to ask Connor for his opinion on it coming up next segment. And I'll ask you for your opinions as well on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Stay with us. Coming right back. Steel Man and Thune at noon. Minus Mike Steely. I am Parker Thune. I am here in the Brownos Haver Studios alongside Connor Pasby. Air Comfort Solutions text line available to you, 405-651-3439. Or give us a call on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line, 405-329-9000. Now, Connor, I teased it at the end of last segment, and I want to dive into it here. I'm not going to make a super in-depth, lengthy conversation of it, but I do have an idea because... As I was entering the studio right around noon and Josh Helmer was exiting the studio after he and Plank got off the air, we had a brief exchange concerning realignment, and he asked me, who do you think would be a logical choice for the Big Ten to pursue that isn't Oregon and Washington? Because I guess the latest bit of realignment news today is that the Big 12 wants to stand pat and doesn't want to pursue Oregon and Washington right now until they figure out what the heck's going on with Notre Dame and whether the Irish would be willing to jump in with the conference. Now, Josh asked me, who do you think would be a viable option for the Big 12 that isn't Oregon and Washington and is a little bit off the beaten path. So not like a Clemson or a Florida State or a Miami, not somebody with a big brand, not somebody that would immediately spring to mind, even like a North Carolina in that regard. And I'd been noodling on this very question for a couple of days, actually, and so I was prepared. My answer, Connor, was North Dakota State because – 
When you look at what North Carolina, or I'm sorry, not North Carolina, but North Dakota State, when you look at what North Dakota State has done, especially in the sport of football over the last decade, decade and a half, they are the Alabama of the FCS. Nobody touches that program as far as consistency, as far as championship culture, as far as fan interest and public buy-in. There's a huge market for North Dakota State athletics up in and around Fargo, North Dakota. And that has always felt like a program that to me could successfully transition to the Power Five. Or not, yeah, well, yeah, to the Power Five, to the FBS and to the Power Five, uh, and could compete in the Big Ten. I'm old enough to remember, Connor, when North Dakota State went on the road to Kinnick Stadium. And I want to say this was 2016, the year after Iowa had gone undefeated in the regular season and had played Michigan State in the Big Ten title game and come inches, and I mean inches, from securing a college football playoff berth. Late touchdown by Michigan State running back L.J. Scott uh, gave the Spartans a 16-13 to win that contest, if my memory serves me correctly. Very much a Big Ten football game. But I am old enough to remember... When North Dakota State, the following year, went to Kinnick Stadium, and I want to say week two, and knocked off Iowa. And it was a big deal. It wasn't as big a deal as, say, Appalachian State going to Michigan in 2007 and pulling off one of the greatest upsets in the history of college football. But the reason it was such a big deal is because it wasn't completely unexpected. Like, going into that game, there were a lot of folks nationally who believed North Dakota State will hang with and potentially beat Iowa, an Iowa team that's coming off an undefeated campaign in the regular season and a New Year's Six bull berth. So there was a time where North Dakota State, and I'm not necessarily saying this time is over, but there was a time where North Dakota State was on the same playing field, on the same level as the competition that they'd be going up against in the Big Ten. And we don't necessarily have as much of a frame of reference for that anymore because North Dakota State hasn't played a non-conference opponent that viable in several years. But I'm very much of the opinion that North Dakota State has been for some time the program that would make the most sense to promote. Sam Houston is moving up from the FCS to, I think they're joining the Sun Belt, maybe? Conference USA? Could be right. Yeah, we also saw I, Tar- well, the Tarleton State a few years ago join the WAC. But yeah, yeah, like which is sa- still FCS, but uh, Sam Houston is making the jump from the FCS to the FBS. Tarleton State may not be far behind. I think James Madison, too, maybe getting ready to make the move. I need to do more research on this. There's so much. It's hard to separate fact from fiction, too, because at a certain point, you're like, what is rumor and what is real? But I don't understand why North Dakota State wouldn't at least get a call from the Big Ten if they're looking at expanding further beyond 16 teams. After after dominating the FCS for so many years, it feels like now's the right time for them to get their first taste in a D1 FBS conference in. It makes sense for them to join the Big 12. Why not? They have the right right talent and the right players to do so. And the knock on North Dakota State moving up to the FBS level has always been, well, they're a geographical outlier. 
Well, geography's dead at this point in time. We are pat we are far past the point at which geography matters in terms of conference alignment. So you can't hold that against North Dakota State anymore. And so if they're capable of hanging with the big boys and playing power five football, which I very much believe they are, then why wouldn't the Big Ten make a play for North Dakota State? The other thing about it is that they have a domed stadium. It's not huge, but it seats a good amount of fans. They fill it up. Those fans are passionate. They've got a good basketball program as well. I was about to say, yeah, they've been really good at basketball for so many years, and they would also fit in with Big 12 basketball, so it it makes sense. I think their baseball program went to regionals a year ago, so North Dakota State has a very well-rounded, very competitive athletic program, and I think they have a compelling case to be part of a Big 10 expansion package. They they also have some big-time facilities, too, to match that with the Big 12. Yes, they do. So I'm telling you, I mean, you don't think of North Dakota as somewhere uh, you're going to roll into Fargo. You're going to roll onto the campus of North Dakota State and be like, oh, you got some real nice athletic facilities here. But North Dakota State has built something up there. They have. And I would be excited to see how it translates to FBS competition. I think North Dakota State is overdue for a promotion. And whether that comes with membership in the Big Ten or not, I think we're getting to the point in college football where it doesn't make much sense for North Dakota State not to be part of the equation because there's no real knock on them at this point. You can't you can't play the geography card anymore. <laughs> One li- okay. One listener says your North Dakota State take is the dumbest take I've ever heard. Okay, fair I'll, I'll accept it. I obviously I disagree but I'll accept it. North Dakota State has a stadium capacity of 19,000 and about the same number of TVs in the entire state. Okay, fair. One Another listener says, I'd say Kansas. Another says Big Ten has to consider Utah and Iowa State. I agree, but I guess here's, here's what I'm getting at with this conversation. Here's why I think North Dakota State makes sense as a potential member school for the Big Ten. is because you're not going to be in competition with the Big 12, for instance, or even the SEC when it comes to bringing that program along. The Big 12 is apparently on the precipice of making a play for, what is it, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and I think Utah, right? Utah, yep. Yeah. So the Big 12 is trying to stay afloat. But then again, North Dakota State is so far off the beaten path for them that They'd essentially have to play the Big Ten's game and bring in a program that is a thousand miles away. Well, not a thousand, but several hundred miles away from the closest Big Twelve peer school. And I'm I'm just not convinced that would happen. It doesn't make nearly as much sense for North Dakota State to play in the Pac-12 or the Big Twelve as it does for them to play in the Big Ten. So, well, okay, you, you could say. Well, I mean, you could also say North Dakota State could, I mean, easily beat the Kansases and Kansas States and Texas Techs of the world, too, in the Big Twelve. Yeah, they could. And I'll tell you what: if North Dakota State is getting nineteen thousand fans at a football game, that's a that's a hell of a lot more than Kansas is getting. Heck, of, Big Ten. Somebody says Big Ten or Big Twelve for NDSU. You guys keep saying both conferences. I'm saying Big Ten. I my apologies if I have let it slip and said Big 12 a couple of times. But my opinion is that North Dakota State should be part of the expanded Big 10.
for the Big 12, man, I guess they kind of become the sneaky contender to be the third super conference in college football because I think there is room for a third conference. Think if the Big 10 and the SEC get to 20, 24 teams, there's still room for that third conference. And is it going to be on the same level as the Big 10 and the SEC? Not necessarily, but you can get it there. And I think you can start by making a play for Oregon and Washington. I feel like you have to have Oregon right now if you're you the Big 12. You have to, yep. It, you got to take advantage of the fact that the Big 10 is dragging its feet and bringing in Oregon. Because if Oregon wants into the Big 10, and the Big 10 wants to say, nope, let's wait a couple years, we want to see what happens with Notre Dame, then if you're the Big 12, hey, slide into those DMs. Because when you're looking at the teams that are purportedly and ostensibly on the open market, right now in this whole realignment fiasco. Oregon has by far the biggest brand. They've by far got the most money, the best facilities, the most the most competitive athletics programs. So if you're the Big 12 right now, I understand, and I'm, I'm not trying to knock Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado, which are kind of the four that reportedly the Big 12 is actively pursuing right now. Not trying to knock those programs at all. But Oregon is the type of school where if you can land a deal with them to bring them into the Big 12 and make them part of your conference, that's a big deal. And that could be what helps your conference not just stay afloat, but be taken seriously across the national spectrum, especially in the sport of football. Because like I said, what we're heading toward is a world in which the Big Ten and the SEC are the super conferences. And there are some viable programs in the ACC that could warrant a look from the Big 12 as well. But to be honest, I don't know if Clemson, Florida State, my I don't know if any of those programs are going to jump on board with the Big 12 when there's a very good chance they just get absorbed into the SEC at some point. You could see that. I think Oregon and Notre Dame are the two big teams that we're kind of waiting on for – the next move with them too. I mean, they're two teams that have a lot of money. The brand's big, and there's Notre Dame's waiting on to get into the conference. So whether that's the Big Ten or you could hear Pac-12 talk or even the SEC. All right, Air Cover Solutions text line hates North Dakota State, so I'm going to quit talking about North Dakota State. We're going to take a quick break here. Come back. We'll keep talking realignment. Keep talking Oklahoma football and recruiting. Parker Thune, Connor Pasby here with you on Steelman and Thune at noon. Missing our man Mike Steely. But I'm sure he's having a grand old time down in the Bahamas. In the meantime, we're talking sports with you. Up until 2 p.m. here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Stay tuned. Man, it's been a rough couple days, Connor Pasby. I got blacklisted by Kale Gundy. Air Comfort Solutions text line absolutely shot my North Dakota State take out of the air. Sometimes you just got to wear the L. And I apologize, and, Parker. I thought you were talking about South Dakota State to the Big 12. So that's why I was talking all about oh, okay, Kansas. Okay. I think it confused some other listeners, too. Yeah, you know, speaking of South Dakota State, I almost went to South Dakota State. Came very, very close to going to college there. But, uh, no, that, that athletic department is it, – it's upper echelon in the FBS, but it is nowhere – or in the FCS, excuse me, but it is nowhere near what North Dakota State is. North Dakota State is the behemoth of the FCS. Now – a uh, little bit of scoopage from our man Mark Desher here in the ref uh, studios. During last break, he came in and informed me 
that Oklahoma's in the process of replacing the lights at Owen Field, which I tell you what, back when the Sooners were without a head coach for a week in the aftermath of Muleshoe's departure, if Joe Castiglione and the Oklahoma administration had interviewed Mark Desher for the head coaching job at the University of Oklahoma, that would have been one of the stipulations that he put down. Maybe the first stipulation that he put down is, if I'm going to be head coach, we're going to replace those lights. Because trust me, uh, Mark's handle on Twitter is at OUPhotoGuy, which tells you all you need to know about him. Phenomenal photographer. His pictures are hanging all throughout the studios here at the ref, and they're excellent. Uh, he does his work and does it well. And I'm usually down on the field doing photos and video on game days as well. So I know as well as Mark that the lighting at Owen Field is not what it needs to be. So I am every bit as excited as Mark is uh, for that bit of news. Apparently the construction, if, if you can call it construction, I suppose the replacement of the lights uh, is underway at Owen Field. I knew something was going on a few days ago. Someone put out the lights were on. Yeah, well, there's, there's, there's a lot going on down there. The Wilk is gone. They knocked that thing down. They wasted no time. I mean, we all knew it was coming down. But, man, they wasted no time. As soon as the school year was over, boom. Wrecking ball to that thing. Bobby from Austin on the Air Cover Solutions sex line says, Now that I'm a new Carolina Panthers fan, I can't wait to get a t-shirt with their team motto. Hashtag keep pounding. Y'all get used to that. Hashtag keep pounding. It was dog pound, but now it's keep. Another says, talk about Baker being traded to the Panthers. We did talk about this extensively last hour, but we can circle back around, certainly. Uh, So the package for Baker Mayfield in the trade to Carolina is that the Browns will be receiving a conditional fifth-round draft pick in 2024. And just scrolling through Twitter, obviously this storyline is dominating the sports section of Twitter at the moment. And Emmanuel Akko went ahead and tweeted out. Is it Akko or is it Acho? I think it's Akko. I think okay. it's Akko. Okay. I always get confused on that one. I don't know why. I feel like I, I, I should know by now I don't. But uh, he, he tweeted out, mark my words, the Browns are going to regret trading Baker Mayfield this year. Yeah, I think they will. I don't think that's a hot take at all, Emmanuel. And... There's multiple reasons for that. One being, I think Baker's going to be successful in Carolina because he's no longer swimming upstream against the current, which he was in Cleveland. I don't know why that organization seems to have higher standards for its quarterbacks than any other program in professional football to the point where they'll run a guy off after three years of the best football that their franchise has seen since re-inception. I also don't understand how those standards apparently go completely out the window when Deshaun Watson hits the market and you have the opportunity to hand a quarter of a billion dollars to a potential sexual predator. Potential. So, I think, A, the Browns are up a creek without a paddle. I don't think. I know that. Because... I'm not convinced Deshaun Watson plays NFL football in the year of our Lord 2022. I think you're going to see Jacoby Brissett starting for the Browns. And moreover, I think pissing off Baker the way that they did and letting him walk, letting him go somewhere like Carolina where he has the opportunity to have success in an offense with some weapons. Again, I don't I don't love the weaponry that Carolina has as much as I like the weaponry that Seattle has. But letting him go to Carolina – 
with the chip that he already has and the chip that's only going to get bigger that lies on his shoulder. This, trust, I, I think a year from now we will be looking back on this situation, regardless of how things went down for Baker in Carolina. We will be looking back on this situation from the Browns' end and thinking, oh my goodness gracious, how quintessential Cleveland is this? Because we were, we, they, were, we were just talking about Baker not having many playmakers in Carolina, but I completely forgot about Rashard Higgins' trade to Carolina a little while ago. So that connection is back with okay. Baker. And okay, you can also throw in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. So I underestimated the talent in Carolina with C- Christian McCaffrey. So Yeah, and again, much like he did in Cleveland – Baker Mayfield is going to inherit a role in Carolina where he's not going to be slinging the football around 50 times a game. You got Christian McCaffrey, you ride Christian McCaffrey. The Carolina Panthers are going to get the ball to Christian McCaffrey a lot. Baker Mayfield is not going to be prompted to sling the ball all over the field in order to lead the Carolina Panthers to victory. That will not be the game plan. But he'll throw the ball a decent amount. Can promise you that. Especially if McCaffrey gets hurt, and he's a guy that has been injury prone over his first few years in the league. If McCaffrey gets hurt, uh, I know the Panthers have Chuba Hubbard waiting in the wings, and I really like Chuba Hubbard. I really do. But if McCaffrey goes down, you're looking at what suddenly becomes a very much pass first offense in Carolina. As long as McCaffrey stays healthy, man, this Carolina team has the chance to do some damage. They're in a very tough division. They are. Yeah. That's got to be acknowledged. Atlanta is kind of a pushover, at least until they get a quarterback. But the Saints and the Buccaneers are two programs that are going to be in playoff contention this year. The Saints aren't too far removed from being Super Bowl contenders perennially. And much like Atlanta, they're trying to work through some issues at the quarterback position and trying to find some stability in the wake of Drew Brees' retirement a couple years back. But with Tom Brady coming back to Tampa Bay, pretty clear that the Bucks are the odds-on favorite to win the NFC South. But Carolina could give some folks some problems. I can see this team being competitive, pushing for double-digit wins in 2022. And the good, the good thing in all this for Baker Mayfield, the silver lining in this move, is that, A, he's going to get a chance to start, which is really all he could have asked for. At that point, with how many teams had already figured out their quarterback situations and with the knowledge that he wasn't going back to Cleveland, there were really two, maybe three NFL teams that Baker Mayfield could have gone to where you would have liked his odds to be the unquestioned starter. Those teams were Seattle, Atlanta, Carolina. I don't know what Atlanta is doing at the quarterback position, but they never expressed any interest in Baker Mayfield, at least not that we know of. We always kind of knew it was going to be either Seattle or Carolina. Turns out to be Carolina. And he's going to start. Not only is he going to start, I I think Baker Mayfield is in a situation where Carolina, as an organization, has reasonable expectations for their football team. Cleveland wanted to put Baker in the stockade after they didn't win 10 games and go to the playoff for the second year in a row. It's going to take some weight off Baker Mayfield's shoulder without all the preseason hype that he had to deal with in Cleveland Correct. year to year. Correct. Expectations are modest in Carolina. So, as long as Baker has a good year, 
not even a great year. As long as he has a good year, the Panthers don't need to be a playoff team. They don't need to win 11, 12 games in order for Mayfield to get the opportunity to start, whether in Carolina or elsewhere, come 2023. And I do think what we always talk about with Baker is the chip on his shoulder. The chip that he's always carried on his shoulder. From the minute he stepped on campus, not even at Oklahoma, but at Texas Tech. That's always a trait that has served him well as a football player. And it's going to continue to serve him well in Carolina with the Panthers. And that where, dude, that dude's going to be fired up for week one. Oh, I'm going to have to go get some tickets, man. Oh, you know he will. That is going to be must-see TV. If there is a week one game that everyone, regardless of their allegiances, should be watching, it is the Carolina Panthers versus the Cleveland Browns. Right now, I'd guess it's at noon, but man, you got to find somehow to move that thing to Sunday prime time or even Monday. Have to. Have to. Man, that's going to be fun. It, it would be even more fun if it was in Cleveland. Since it's in Carolina, it takes a little bit of the juice away from it, but still, Baker against Cleveland in week one. Man, I can't wait. All right, we're going to be back to wrap up Steel Man and Thune at noon coming up next. One more segment to go. Then at the top of the hour, it'll be myself and Tyler McComas with Locked In talking all things Oklahoma recruiting from 2 to 3 p.m. That, of course, precedes the rush with Tyler and Teddy Lehman from 3 to 6. A lot more coming your way. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. Stay tuned. We're coming right back. Final hour of Steel Man and Thune at Noon brought to you by the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Parker Thune, Connor Pasby, hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Coming up at the top of the hour, myself and Tyler McComas will get you locked in with an hour of nonstop Oklahoma recruiting and football talk. So stay tuned for that. Myself and Tyler going to take you till 3 p.m., at which point Tyler and Teddy will have the rush from 3 to 6. One listener says on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, how, is, how excited is Matt Rule to coach Baker after watching him do his thing from the Baylor sideline, especially in 2017? you got to imagine Matt Rule is excited to bring a guy like Baker Mayfield along. And here's the thing about where Carolina stands at the quarterback position. They just drafted Matt Corral. So they have an insurance policy to a certain extent. They're not pushing all their chips to the middle with Baker Mayfield. And I think it was going to be hard to get any team to push all their chips to the middle with Baker Mayfield anyway. It was kind of too far gone for that to be the case. But you got Sam Darnold. You got Matt Corral. The other two quarterbacks on the roster are P.J. Walker, the former— Did he play in the AAF or the XFL? One of those— one of those brief, short-lived professional. XFL. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he was in the XFL, but he was arguably the best player in the short-lived XFL before catching on with the Carolina Panthers. And then the other quarterback on the roster is Davis Cheek. Still working to confirm whether Davis Cheek is a real person. Uh, I'll get back to y'all on that. But Baker Mayfield enters a situation where he's the odds-on favorite to be the starter. Like I said, the Panthers aren't putting all their chips in the same basket with Baker Mayfield. They're not. But they do bring in a guy that is a pretty low-cost, pretty low-risk option at the quarterback position because Baker's never been the type of guy to lose you a football game. 
Uh, at times, you can argue, in fact, for most of his career, you can argue he's never been the guy that of his own accord is going to win you a football game. He has not been the most consistent passer in the NFL over his four seasons in the league. It's okay to acknowledge that. He has left some meat on the bone. But, as we've said time and time again about this guy, he's got a chip on his shoulder like nobody else. And so now you put him down in Charlotte on a Panthers team that has struggled to find stability at QB since Cam Newton's tenure with the team, first tenure with the team, excuse me, ended in 2019. He has the chance to be exactly what he was in Cleveland, which is an answer to a tenuous quarterback situation and a guy that can lift a fairly talented team, not an overwhelmingly talented team, but a fairly talented team to playoff contention. Well, they're, they're going to be an under-the-radar team with Matt Rule, who I've been a huge fan of when he was at Baylor. So I love the situation for Baker with Matt Rule. It would take some time to get used to it with him if he was at Seattle with Pete Carroll. I know some Oklahoma fans, we don't really acknowledge or like Pete Carroll for what he did at USC, but I think this is perfect with Matt Rule. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Man, you really had to throw it back to 2005, didn't you? It'll be a hard team to root for with Pete Carroll at the helm. You know what's weird to think about? Pete Carroll's the oldest head coach in the NFL. It's crazy, yeah. Because he doesn't act like the oldest head coach in the NFL. Like Based on demeanor and just based on the way that coaches carry themselves, if you ask the casual NFL fan, who's the oldest coach in the league, probably 80% of them would go, Bill Belichick, right? No, it's Pete Carroll. Just strange. It, it, there's such a stark distinction. And it's it's kind of funny to think that the last head coach of the New England Patriots before Bill Belichick was Pete Carroll. I actually did not know that. Yeah, it's been so, it's been yeah, so well, no, long ago. It feels like Bill Belichick's been there forever. Well, so I, could, I couldn't remember who was before He him. has. He's been there, shoot, as long as I've been alive almost. But... Uh, no, Pete Carroll was the last head coach of the Patriots. Actually took them to the Super Bowl in, what was that, 1996-97? They lost to the Packers. They lost to Brett Favre and the Packers. That was Brett Favre's lone Super Bowl ring uh, in a game that was highlighted by a Desmond Howard kick return touchdown. But no, Pete Carroll took the Patriots to a Super Bowl. He is one of the few NFL coaches that has taken multiple organizations to a Super Bowl in pretty elite company there. All right, got to get out of here. That's it for Connor. I am going to be hanging with y'all here on the Ref Sports Radio Network for the next hour with Tyler McComas on Locked In. We're going to be coming back in just a couple minutes here talking all things Oklahoma football and recruiting. Stay tuned. Thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group. That's it for Steel Man and Thune at Noon. We'll see you tomorrow.